become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 41 of Macabre Misfortunes. What's going on, everybody? So Tracy, the point of Macabre Misfortunes when we started this thing was to cover some tragic stories that uh, may not have a paranormal factor involved, but always at least had tragedy or primarily death involved. Yeah. I don't think we've done a story that didn't involve some type of death or tragedy. But in the spirit of the holiday season, I thought... Hopefully for the rest of the month, but at least for this episode, we will cover some cool stories that might not be tragic. Oh, that sounds awesome. So today we're going to discuss the story of Jim McDonald. And you guys are really going to like this, I think. Good. You see, Jim disappeared for 15 years and then reappeared at Christmas time. What? It's quite a story. Sounds like a miracle. Jim and Ann McDonald, they lived in a little small house in Larchmont, New York, which is a suburb of New York City. Jim was a foreman at the post office, and he had been there for 25 years. Now, Jim was very likable, and he knew almost everybody in town. Ann and Jim got married in 1960, and they never had any children, though. Probably because they were still already old at the time. Theoretically. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they weren't that old, but anyway, Jim was 50. Uh, in March of 1971, and that's when a series of accidents started to happen. None of them really seemed all that important. You mean or, to him, yes. per se? Okay. Yeah, none of them really seemed all that, that big or, or major, but all of them together collectively resulted in a major medical condition. Now, the first thing was Jim was actually taken out the garbage, and he slipped on some ice on the steps, and he bruised his back, but he also struck his head. Then a few days later, Jim was driving to work, and he had a sneezing fit. This caused him to lose control of his car, and he wrecked it into a telephone pole. Dude. In which time, he banged his head into the windshield. He, like, he banged his head twice in one week? Yes. Well, it gets worse. Then a few days later, after that, he was at work. He had a dizzy spell, and he fell down a flight of steps, and again hit his head. Oh, my gosh. He needs to stay home in bed. Well, 10 days later, <laughs> he again lost control of his car and hit another pole. This time, he was found unconscious. He was hospitalized for three days with a concussion. Mm-hmm. On March 29th, Jim borrowed a friend's station wagon and drove to Kennedy Airport to pick up Ann's brother and his family. First of all, who loaned him a car? And first of all, After why? He's it twice. That's what I'm saying. Why is he even allowed to be driving at this point? 1971. <sighs> Things were different. So he picks the family up and then he drives back to Ann's sister's house. He drops them off. Then he returns the car where he picked it up at to his friend that loaned it to him at 10 p.m. He was unaware, and this is going to be an important key that you wouldn't think initially. 
but he was unaware that his wallet with his ID had somehow slipped out of his pocket and was in the floorboard of that station wagon. So the car owner offered to drive Jim home, but Jim said that he had a headache and he wanted to walk home since it was only about a 15-minute walk and he felt that this would actually help his headache. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's got a headache. (laughs) Well, at 11.15, Ann called the car's owner and he had had no idea that Jim wasn't home yet. I mean, he'd been been gone like an hour and 15 minutes Mm -hmm. for a 15-minute walk. Well, at 2 a.m., Ann calls the police and she reported Jim missing. After 24 hours, the police had put out an all-points bulletin, and they started reaching out to friends and relatives to see if they had heard from him. They even checked unidentified bodies in the morgue to see if Jim's body was there. Nothing. Detective George Mulcahy was actually assigned to the uh, investigation, and he also knew Jim. They went to church together. He was pretty sure the disappearance had nothing to do with wrongdoing and uh, that there had to be something probably medical you know, involved in this. Mm-hmm. From okay, the only explanation was amnesia. I don't know how you get to that that quick, but with all the medical things that had happened to him and the, yeah, head, head, you know, yeah. the, the hits to the head, that's what he was thinking. Now, amnesia can be caused by stroke, Alzheimer's, alcoholism, severe physical trauma, or blows to the head, which obviously Jim had a bunch of over the two-week period. So as weeks passed... Anne did not give up hope, but she did realize that she had to earn a living somehow because without him, his income was gone. All right. And he was the only income provider at the time. Mm. So she started babysitting and she worked at a supermarket. She also worked at a hospital cafeteria. And she would work at the hospitals on holidays because she said it was easier if she kept busy. Busy, yeah. But she kept her faith. She kept all of Jim's clothes covered in the closet so they wouldn't accumulate dust. And she even kept his razor and shaving cream in the bathroom cabinet. So what happened to Jim? Good question. Well, during his walk home, Jim did black out. He lost all memory of his name and where he lived. Now, what happened next is kind of speculation because Jim doesn't really remember exactly what happened. But... They assume that he made his way to Grand Central Terminal and he either got on a train or a bus going south. The next thing Jim knew that he was in Philadelphia, a city he had never been to before. Wow. He kept seeing real estate agent signs for a James Peters. And he decided that that would be a cool name. So he decided that was his name. He was now James Peters. (laughs) He... He only had the reality of the presence. He didn't have a past or anything. So all he knew was Mm -hmm. right here and there. So it wouldn't that I don't remember this or I can't. It was just, I guess I'll need to pick something. It's as if he was born that day. Oh, wow. How crazy is that? He went and got a new social security card because back then you didn't need an ID or a birth certificate to get a social security card. So he just got a uh, a new social security card and just started over. Then he got IDs and everything after that. Oh, yeah. so like there was more than two James Pecker. I mean, uh, Pecker. I'm sorry, James Peters. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. sure yeah. Just like everybody, there's several names. But he went and got one with a whole new Social Security number. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they, how they just give you a new Social yeah, Security. Yeah, how do they do that? Or I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he had, uh, maybe he had that guy's Social Security number for all I know. I don't know. But anyway... 
He had to have a job too, right? So he took a job in a cafeteria at a health club. Then he worked at a uh, cancer research institute cleaning out animal cages. Mm-hmm. He then also got a night shift job at a, uh, a P&P luncheonette, is what they called it, where he became pretty well known for his omelets as well as his courtesy and good humor. <laughs> Apparently he can make a hell of an omelet. Well, all right. After a year, he felt established enough at PMP where he quit his job at the Cancer Research Center. Jim made some new friends, and he joined an American Legion post, a Knights of Columbus, and he became an active member of the St. Hugh Roman Catholic Church. He never talked about his past, obviously, and his friends never pried. One friend said, eh, we just assumed that he must be from New York because of his accent. And Jim replied, I guess so. They didn't know. I mean, how, what, I mean, what was they like, what do you mean you guess so? You don't know where you're from? Or they probably never questioned him, they you don't think? They never questioned it. So Jim loved kids. And at Christmas time, he would play Santa at orphanages. Aww. He would even grow a long white beard just to fit the part. That's very sweet. His friend Cheryl Sloan said that they wondered about his past, but they figured he either had to be an ex-priest or a criminal. Mm-hmm. Because why else would you not have a past? Yeah. So then you got Bernadine Goloskowski. Now, she actually started to work at PNP shortly after Jim had started. Her mother had recently passed, and Jim apparently had no family, so they sort of kind of adopted each other. Jim became a kind of a father figure to Bernadine and her husband, Pete, and their four children. The children absolutely loved him. In 1985, just a little bit about a month before Christmas, Bernadine noticed that Jim had grown unusually quiet and subdued. Something seemed to be on his mind. So on Thanksgiving, they invited Jim over. He was sitting with his adopted family watching television when he saw a mail carrier making a delivery in the rain on TV. (laughs) And Pete said, Man, that's one job I sure wouldn't want. Oh, my gosh. And Jim said, I think I used to be a postman. Oh, so it's coming back to him. Yeah, and Pete was like, really, where? Jim said, I don't know. Pete said, New York? Jim said, I'm not sure, but I think I remember my parents a little bit. So Jim would usually spend all the holidays at this house because Mm -hmm. he didn't have any family, and now they've, like I said, kind of adopted him. But on Christmas Eve, he never arrived at the house. Now, normally, he would he would go and make his rounds to all of his other friends that he worked with and stuff, and then he would show up at the holidays there last. But, obviously, after years of doing this, he just didn't show up Christmas Eve. But there was a good reason for it. See, on G- December 22nd, Jim had fallen and hit his head. What is his problem? The next day at work... <laughs> He seemed kind of distracted, and late that afternoon, he fell again and struck his head. The next day... Dude, was what de- much? What is up? The next day was December 24th, and when he awoke, he was confused, but also excited, because after 15 years, he knew exactly who he was. Wow. He was, he was Jim, and he had a wife named Anne in Larchmont, New York. Isn't that something? But then he was suddenly scared. It's been 15 years. Yeah. Was Anna even alive still? Was she remarried? 
If she wasn't, how would she even greet him after 15 years? So he would soon find out the answer. He went straight to the house, didn't tell any of his friends back home. He just left. He just went, he went straight to Anne's house and Anne had not changed her residence or her phone number just in case Jim ever tried Aww. to get in contact with her. So she had just gotten home from Christmas mass. She lit a candle and prayed for Jim at that mass. Mm-hmm. She's home. There was a light snow starting to fall and she was supposed to go to her sister's house for dinner. And uh, she wanted to hurry up and get on the road before the roads got slick. Yeah. Then the doorbell rang. And she's like, oh, this is not a good time for a visitor. I'm trying to get out of here. And opened the door, and she looked at a man with a thick white beard. But she immediately recognized him. She couldn't speak. Jim looked at her and said, hello, Ann. Can you imagine at 15 years, that's how no. you... No. What do you... I mean, I don't even know how you react. Jim, she gasped, is it true? And she was breathing as if she had just ran, been running. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, just quick bursts of breath. And they barely even touched hands. They were too stunned to even fall into each other's arms. The embracement and the tears would come later. Anne led Jim to his favorite chair, which she kept all these years. And they began to talk and kind of started filling in the gaps. And eventually Jim got tired and he went to bed. The day after Christmas, Jim reported himself to police because he's now yeah. back after being missing for 15 years. And uh, that night, a reporter called Bernadine to tell her that Jim was okay. And a week after the return, Jim had a physical, including a CAT scan, and Jim was listed as in complete normal health. And Jim and Anne then resumed their lives together as a married couple. Jim said that each day we are together, it makes the time we were absent seem shorter. That is a bizarre story. And my, if I was his wife, I'd be like, if you phone hit your head again, <laughs> don't even bother coming home. <laughs> well, that's so cool. I love that story. So, anyways. Gosh, I can't our... even imagine the look on her face, or his even, for that fact. And, and I'm sure they're both passed away by now. Oh. Because that was 1985, and Jim was um, 65 at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just assuming, you know, that was 30-some years ago. They would both be in their 90s or something at that point. I don't know how old she was. But... Isn't that something? Anyways. Well, what a great ending to that story. I thought that was a fun little uplifting Christmas Well, yeah, story. and then and that she hadn't married or anything or... You know, so he didn't have that to come back to. Oh, she and... literally kept the faith for 15 years that Aww, he was coming back. Bless her heart. So I love that story. It's wonderful. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening to us. Thanks. Love you guys.